welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show on your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined here today by Christy Smith. She is the global lead of talent and organization at Accenture and also a member of the Global Management Committee. Welcome to the program, Christy. Thanks, Maribel. I'm really excited to be with you today. So to get started, can you tell me a bit more about your role and how you arrived there? Sure. Um, I, As you say, I lead the talent and organization practice here at Accenture, and we're working with clients on their strategic evolution of skills, capabilities, and organizational hardwiring to support their organization's business stra- strategy. I've been doing this work for most of my life and uh, really excited to be here at Accenture, where I think we have a unique uh, set of capabilities as a firm to really deliver uh, for our clients uh, on their most pressing needs. I think it's been such an interesting time over the past two years, and I'm sure that the organizations have started to see the importance of this role, and I'm sure your organization has been at the forefront of talking about a lot of the future of work trends and how they intersect with technology. So I was really excited to talk to you about this because um, two of your coworkers, Paul Doherty, who I met in San Francisco, probably a year, well, it was before COVID. So for whatever reason, I never count the COVID years. So it's probably three years ago now. Uh, uh, Paul and uh, H. James Wilson, which I have not met, recently published a book called Radically Human, How New Technology is Transforming Business and Shaping Our Future. And I believe that came out in and around April. Right. And I'm sure that you and many members of the team played a critical role in in helping bring that book to market. But it's really interesting because it talks about something that I think a lot of organizations are struggling with, particularly as they look at AI. And that's how how do we balance, you know, what makes sense for our employees to do, what makes sense for technology to do, how technology changes business roles in general and what we're going to need. Um, and in the book, you say that leading organizations take three bold steps to unlock the potential of their people and radically human technology. And I thought it might be nice to start our conversation there and say, you know, what what are those three bold steps? Yeah, sure. Certainly the pandemic has almost changed everything. And certainly now because there is such a need for and a lack of skilled talent in the workforce. Uh, We are working with CEOs and their direct reports all the time on helping them find this marriage at the intersection of people and technology. And so Radically Human presents readers with three key steps that are necessary to create a flexible, resilient, 
uh, organizations that are ready for change. And companies are taking three steps. One, democratizing technology, which means really putting technology directly in the hands of employees at all levels. And this is crucial. Uneven access to technology Technology is corrosive uh, and can affect the morale of most people uh, and the business performance. The second area that we looked at is investing in innovative technology scaling programs. This is really at the heart of the work that we're doing. And organizations that take the time to educate their staff will, will take their people beyond digitally literate to digitally fluent. And in our pre-pandemic survey, which surveyed more than 8,300 companies, respondents reported that in the absence of retraining over half of their IT workforce skills and nearly half of their non-IT workforce skills would be absolute in just three years. So the third area that we looked at is leveraging the combination of democratized technology and a culture of digital fluency. And here we really looked at productivity it is, on, is po- possible anywhere today. Most companies are focused on spaces and places than actually structuring the work in a way that employees can be productive anywhere with the right technology and tools. So we look at a little bit uh, and focus on that in this chapter and in the book. You know, you brought up two things that I think people really that I've been speaking to don't pick up on a lot. I think there was a lot of discussion around the pandemic about digitizing and adopting technology. And clearly we really accelerated that for a lot of organizations, not all of them. But one of the things that was really interesting is many of the companies I spoke to didn't if they somehow thought that they would go out and find new people with new skills. And when you think about that, there's such a great opportunity in organizations to take the people you have that are already invested in you, that already know all the processes and help uplift them. And you'd actually get farther faster. So that's the first one. So your, your comments around, really helping people get to the next level with digital, I think are so vitally important for an organization's success. Going that extra mile to rethinking what our business processes should be now that we don't think that everybody has to be stuck in one building and that same seat, you know, every you know 300 days of the year or whatever it is, that's a big shift because, I, and I'm sure that you've seen this as well, a lot of organizations are struggling with what are the metrics around that because they used to gauge productivity by being able to see you. And eventually you got stuff done. It didn't mean that you were efficient when you got it done or that you did the best work or any of that. And frankly, you could be you know, sitting at your desk doing gosh knows what, unless they're looking over your shoulder, it doesn't really matter. But I think this discussion of working with organizations to figure out how do they think about work differently is really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, both on the skilling point and on really thinking about project-based work that's done with teams and how do you, um, in essence, create a culture that is more about outcomes than seeing somebody sit in their chair. It's also about making sure to the first point that we democratize uh, technology so that those individuals have the right technology and the right tools to do that work at speed 
and with a greater uh, ability to accomplish that work in a meaningful way and in a more impactful way in the organization. Well, and the interesting thing that when you say, when you mentioned democratized technology, I think a lot of people have actually selected technology, but they have to go back and rethink, is this the right technology for their organization? Is it doing what we thought it would do? Is there something that would work better for our people, for our business? So I think that's part of the democratization process as well as kind of reframing um, oftentimes we buy things and we want to make the most of the asset we bought, but perhaps in this case, it might be that it's a software as a services solution and you could actually go to something else fairly, well, nothing's easy. I wouldn't say easily, but certainly easier than we could have in the past. So well, you, right. I mean, I, I think just on that point, if I might, you know, the, the technology is transforming at a speed that is remarkable for any of us, the innovations. That's why it's so incredibly important to build this culture of digital fluency and that you are training and you have a culture of training and retraining and reskilling that is continuous in an organization. And we see that when organizations make that investment and build that culture of digital fluency, that they can keep up with the pace of innovation and technology and have much more productive um, workforces as a result. And people feel more engaged and, and feel as though they have purpose and are making impact at work. And I'm sure we could have a really long discussion about creating purpose and any of these topics. But I wanted to pick back up on where we were, where we talked about the three steps that the organizations mm-hmm. that were successful have done. Can you provide an example or two of companies that are doing it well and what they did to get basically to get it right? Sure. There's a company called LexisNexis, which uh, risk solutions, which is a risk management company. For example, there was a project manager there and he was given the task to uncover a backlog of records that needed to be cleared in their system so that it didn't negatively impact any of their uh, solutions to the end user. And the project manager used a robotic process automation management tool um, from UiPath to house and manage automation ideas and reuse bots when possible. This demonstrated ROI to the leadership right away. In, In one instance alone, his work uncovered the backlog of records. His, his team used 11 robots to clear 31,000 from this single instance in a day. Oh my goodness. Wow. Exactly. exactly. And what was even greater is he could take these successes um, and scale RPA to other areas of the business, leading to value creation beyond what the project manager even imagined and even in his own team. I think when you talk about organizations that have digital fluency, one of the characteristics of that is that they have a problem that they're trying to solve. They are using that technology to solve a problem instead of just building a platform and saying, oh, this technology is going to solve all of our problems in some manner, shape or form. It's that landing and expanding, you know, proving value right away and then finding other areas that you can use that. And I think is so critical in, in today's age. Well, in the empowerment, think about the empowerment and autonomy that was given to that project manager. And with that and with the goal in mind, it was very clear what he had to go do. He was really motivated 
to go dig in, use these different tools and technologies, not knowing what the ROI would be, not knowing that he'd find 31,000 cases. But in fact, it was just a huge success. So um, that kind of empowerment and autonomy with the right tools that you give your employees to do can yield incredible results. There's been a lot of discussion about technology as it relates to AI. And I'm wondering, in your opinion, what are some of the pros and cons of using AI to acquire and retain talent since you're in the talent part of the organization? Yeah, I think AI has been um, really a a lightning rod in many ways over the last uh, few years because people really haven't understood the potential of it and, and how you can implement it in a responsible way. So the implementation of using AI varies from company to company, but it is a really powerful tool to acquire and retain talent, especially as companies like we were talking about are are looking to widen not only their their um, talent base, but certainly take into account diversity and uh, gender pools for potential candidates. The technology can eliminate biases. However, AI does not always uh, eliminate human biases from those from a hiring decision. And so, in, you know, we are really looking at how with our partners, have we leveraged AI in, in an interactive way to double down on um, this kind of bias uh, mentality from human creators. And so what we did, for instance, um, at Walmart and Unilever was really leverage quantum labor uh, analysis to determine a labor market size and demand as as they were looking to identify the right skills for the right positions within their companies. And we used AI as a basis for doing that. And tools like Intelligent Text by a company called Textio can help revise job descriptions to better attract underrepresented groups. And AI-generated insights often have the power to reveal uh, biased behavior or language in real time and correct it. I think that's great because oftentimes we have, you know, AI on the bad end with just creating the biases. We don't have the discussion about how AI can surface the biases and help us mitigate that. And actually, one of the things that you brought up is um, when you were talking about the job description and changing the job description, it's interesting because in our minds, we think we know what we're looking for and there are certain specific characteristics that you know are good for the job, but there are perhaps lots of other latent characteristics that would be an indicator of a good candidate that might not have been in the pool before that you can use AI to surface. So for example, they might not think of themselves as a particular type of coder, but if they work on gaming applications, then you'd know that, right? So it's like marrying those two things together uh, makes it really interesting. So obviously we have pros and, and we have cons in that. One of the things I wanted to ask you about was in your role, it's been such an epic time in the past, call it three years now for organizational culture, workplace culture. And I wonder if you're thinking differently about how to create a workplace culture. 
This is uh, probably top of mind for every senior leader I talk to uh, multiple times a day. And um, so prior to the adoption of the hybrid work model, many work cultures were built upon a busyness mindset. We talked about this before. With now new productivity anywhere workforces, it's no longer about staying busy and visible. It's about delivering valuable outcomes, as we spoke again about earlier. So let's let me give you an example of Accenture. Here we're implementing a solution that prioritizes results, supports collaboration, enables flexibility across teams, and draws the, uh, on this notion of boundaryless people and opportunities, so that people can fit their work into their day and into their mental health as well as their physical health. It's no surprise that when we do this that we have higher company performance that from our employees and they feel more connected. In my mind, businesses have to accommodate rather than fit this new reality. They need to toss out convention and reimagine how their workforce model can best support culture and enable their people to be more productive. Totally makes sense to me. We're at this time where I think every organization is reframing what culture looks like for them in a distributed world, what the concept of moving to outcomes means. You know, we talk a lot to a lot of organizations. We talk about outcomes and I think they're a little fuzzy. Even I was having that discussion with uh, our team the other day of, well, what does, you know, they talk about doing smarter goals and frameworks. It's like, well, what is the outcome that we're trying to achieve and and how are we going to know that it's that it's measurable? So those are questions I think that the world is asking right now, and I'm always looking for interesting answers. So thank you for uh, sharing what you have. Um, when you think about your role going forward, do you expect that it will change tremendously as a result of the change in workplace culture or in results of technology? Well, I think that it it is in an evolution, right? I, I think that humans are figuring out how to use technology to create better connection, to create better work outcomes on how to be more productive the technology is creating greater clarity to individuals on how they can better approach their job, their culture, their connection with others. The responsibility of organizations certainly is to create the opportunity and the place and space, and I don't mean that physical I mean that the place and space for those things to occur and to happen. I love that, you know, the the space and, and the place. In the field I'm in, I do a lot of writing now, and there's obviously a lot of discussion about how uh, AI can create art, it can create literature, and we're going back and forth a lot on that. But one of the things that it's made me very reflective on is what is the real value of what you're trying to create? So mm-hmm. if a if an artificial intelligence program can write an article about an event that just happened, then clearly your role is to create some deeper analysis around that. So I, in some ways, I think the concept of how technology will change my job has been good for me because it's clarified a few things and it's actually um, encouraged me to push 
deeper into certain areas. So it'll be interesting. I think it's going to have a different meaning for everyone else, but we've reached I, that time. Yeah, I'm going to- I, well, if I might just add, I do think that one thing that you're raising is critically important is as technology transforms the way we work, what we know is leaders have to transform in how they lead. And what we know to be true through research that we've done on leadership is that leaders have to have the skills of empathy, compassion, transparency that cement the culture and the relationship with employees and that human side where technology can help with that, but also where leaders must provide um, those types of uh, uh, skills in managing teams that are dispersed. Leadership is going to be so different moving forward. It's a fascinating time. You know, the skills will have to develop, but also the importance of it. It, It seems more important now than it was in the past. Well, I'm wondering if there's, aside from the book that we've already discussed, a book, a podcast, an activity, a place that you'd like to recommend to the audience and why? That's a that's a great question. I, I, I think the two. Um, I had the distinct opportunity of being at the Masters of Scale um, conference last week in San Francisco that Reed Hoffman puts on. And the whole thing was about humans at the center. So there are founders and leaders of companies that are really transforming even, um, you know, Silicon Valley by putting humans at the center and spending time on it. So I think that podcast is is a great podcast. I think the other is from Michael Gervais, Finding Mastery, really talking to leaders about how they lead differently today. So those would be my two recommendations for podcasts. Fabulous, Christy. And I'll put a link to the Radically Human uh, book as well into the show notes. And want to thank you for your time and your attention. It was great chatting with you. It was great to chat with you too. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology. Thank you.